Love this uh, scene from the movie Les Mis. If you've ever seen, there's several different versions out there, but the, the Liam Neeson version is the best, if you ask me. That's just my personal opinion. I love this picture, this story. And in fact, if you haven't seen the story, you need to see the story because it deals with all of these themes of law versus grace and, and truth versus lies and what a true man's identity really is. And so what you just capture here is this critical moment where this man's been released from prison after 19 years, named Jean Valjean. He's been released uh, having been in prison uh, because he stole bread to try to feed his uh, dying sister. And, and they arrested him and took him. And then he spent more years because he tried to escape. And so they've let him go. But the problem is he has absolutely no way of re building his life whatsoever and so his only option is to go back into crime and no way of being able to find gainful employment because that was the nature of the day and then this minister does this incredible act of mercy and generosity and kindness and he values Valjean in a way that he had never been valued before but what I think is so moving about this moment in, in, in this movie is that it's not just that this criminal act is totally forgiven. It's not just that Valjean is given a massive amount of resource to be able to build a brand new life. The most amazing thing is that this minister sees a vision for his future that he can't see for himself. He sees a life for him and in him that he can't even possibly imagine. Free from the clutches of crime and able to get out of that same old pattern over and over and over and over again to be able to be ransomed, to be changed. He sees the life that Valjean Mike could have. He has a vision for it and then he buys it for him. He purchases it, purchases it for him. That's what's so powerful. Here's the deal. And you saw it just briefly there right at the end. Because Jean Valjean has to make the decision. What am I going to do with this moment? Because it's been purchased for him. And the minister lays out a vision for his life. But the question is, will he actually step into it? Will he actually take hold, will he go back to the way that he's always known of stealing, of crime, or will he step into this new future? That's the question that we get to see unfold. But listen, that question is not just for this movie or the, this book that was written in the mid-1800s. That's the question for every one of us right now in this room. This is the sentiment that every one of us can see Paul talking to the church in Galatians chapter 5. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead, grab them, go to Galatians chapter 5. If you're with us at home, I want you guys to be able to grab a Bible as well. If you're here in the room, there should be one under the chair in front of you. It's important that you have the Word of God in your own hands so you can see this and investigate this for yourself. Because Paul's going to make this sweeping massive statement about us, about the church, about the people of God. And in Galatians chapter five, Paul says this, he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again 
to a yoke of slavery. Here's what he means by this. Every person is ultimately born into the same life that Valjean is. Maybe not in a physical prison, but what he's saying is every one of us is born into shackles. Every one of us, like him, a people bound to sin, bound to themselves, bound to seek their own ways, bound to think that their way is the right way, the better way, bound to thinking that we're stuck in the same old patterns that we've always been stuck in, thought that we can't get out of those patterns, that there's no way to get away from the temptations that plague us or the things that mire our lives on a regular basis, the way that Paul puts it in the church or the letter to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter one, he says, we exchanged the truth about God for a lie and we worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. This is the condition of all of humanity. We all wanna go our own ways. We're all stuck in this pattern of living. But Jesus did something so spectacular beyond anything that we could do for ourselves, beyond any amount of money could, that could purchase for us, he came and like the minister in Les Mis, he took our shackles, he took our bondage, he took our brokenness, and he took it all on himself. He took all of it. He put it willingly on himself. And then he looks at every one of us like the minister looks at Valjean and says, I've ransomed you from fear and hatred, from a life of being bound and imprisoned, from a life of running, from a life of anxiety, from a life of being prisoner to our own desires, from a life of sin, to give you a new life and a new identity. This is what I have done for you. In other words... What Paul's saying is freedom. I set you free. Meaning this salvation that I purchased for you has removed your shackles and you are right now free to run. You're free to run. You're free to live with confidence. You are free to walk into a future that you did not have before. This is what Jesus did. This is what Paul is saying to the church. And he's worried because he's concerned they're not understanding their newfound freedom. That's why he's making this statement. What he's saying is salvation is the gift that Jesus purchased for you at the cross. But freedom, church, is the party that results when we open the gift and we run with it. That salvation has been bought for us, but there's something that happens after you receive the gift. You open it up and enjoy it. Now, uh, in our household, um, we, we, there's one, there, there's one, uh, kind of, I guess, holiday that we like to, we all like to celebrate that has nothing to do with any of us, uh, except for one person in our house. It's uh, my youngest daughter. She's 10 years old. Her name's Elizabeth. Elizabeth's birthday. Elizabeth's birthday is a gift to everyone. Let me tell you why. Because you want to be with Elizabeth when she opens the gift you gave her. <laughs> all right? It's the most unbelievable thing. 
and she lives her life this way. I mean, you, you know, Christmas morning or, or, or her birthday, she's opening her gifts and every gift, it's just the highest pitched squeal. Like we're putting stuff in cotton in our ears because, because she's going nuts. She's so excited. Everything's amazing. Everything's wonderful. She's, and, and, and we're like, this is the gift. The gift is just you going crazy and, and loving all of these things. But it, the thing is, she actually lives her life that way. I, I go to the convenience store. I bring, I bring her something. I hand it to her. I give her a pack of gum. She's squealing, and she's like, Dad, this is the best day ever. That's what she says all the time. Uh, you think I'm making it up. You can ask anyone in our family. This is what we experience all the time. This is, this is what it means when you're given a gift, and then you celebrate the gift. You, you don't just get the gift, but you look toward being able to use the gift. It's the idea, you know, you said, you've heard the, 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 the phrase, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's actually literally opposite with Jesus. With Jesus, you get the cake and then you eat it too. And then, and then, yeah, everyone's like, hallelujah. That's good, yeah. And we're all like, yeah, cake, Jesus, do more of that in our lives. But because here's, because every day is a new opportunity to open the gift, to receive the cake and have it too. He's the only one in all the universe you can actually have the cake and eat it. He totally transforms all of life. This is what we're called to. And the problem, there's this one giant problem and every one of us actually has to face it. You guys joining us at home, we have to actually cop up to this problem because for freedom, Christ has set us free. But every one of us has to decide whether we're gonna walk in it. There's this incredible gift that's being handed to us. But one of the most challenging realities we will all face is whether or not we will actually take the gift and use it and party with it and play and run, right? Because listen, here's what's the, probably one of the greatest tragedies. There are thousands upon thousands and millions upon millions of followers of Jesus, people that would declare that they have been saved by Jesus, that salvation has visited them, but they do not walk in the freedom that was purchased for them. And it's one of the most painful things. And candidly, as a full-time vocational minister, this is by far the biggest thing I feel like we fight all the time, is this powerful salvation that we'll preach week in and week out but the choice of not to actually walk in the freedom that was given from it. We're living below our blessings. Amen. That's it. And so the picture that the word of God is painting is to be made free from the shackles and the bars from the prison and to not stay in the prison. That's the picture there. In fact, that's what Paul's actually trying to say is, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Don't, don't get caught in staying in the yoke of slavery. Essentially what he's saying is the, the bars have been open. How tragic would it be for the bars to be wide open 
And for us to be able to say, yes, we've been totally made free. And then to sit down in the prison cell and look out, doors wide open and not going anywhere. I'd say this is by far one of the biggest tragedies that mars the church right now. When I say the church, I mean the people of God. And this is what we're up against, and this is what Paul is actually preaching against when he says, for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore, and don't submit again to that yoke of slavery, that there's this pull in all of us to go back to devolve back into that yoke that we came out of, to be saved and yet to remain in bondage. This is the cosmic battle that's playing out right now, every one of us. This is the war going on in the spiritual realm right now. This is what Ephesians 6 is trying to describe to us. Verse 12, for we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's not where the battle is, but against the rulers and against authorities, and against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This is the battleground. This is the question about whether or not we're going to receive the gift and party with it, if you will, or if we're going to receive the gift and stay in the prison. I want, I want us to understand the most dangerous thing going on around us right now does not exist in the political arena. It does not exist in social spheres. As hard as that might be, be able to believe in this moment, what's most threatening to our mental and spiritual and emotional and physical well-being are the principalities that are hell-bent on keeping you and I in the prison. That's the most concerning thing in this moment right now. This is what the Lord is bringing us to. That freedom must be lived. Because hear this, you can be saved and be miserable. You can be saved and be miserable. And I say that as one who's lived a few of those years. I know what it means to be a good old follower of Jesus and to be dying inside. You can be saved, but live powerless. You can be saved. I want you to hear this. You can be saved, but live powerless. The way the scripture says it, there's a form of godliness out there, but it's denying the power. And this was not the gift that we were given. This is never meant to be. The salvation of the Son of God was never to be able to say, well, good, at least I've got some fire insurance. Let's see if we can manage through this cruddy life. There is power for us to attain and to walk in. That's honestly the entire message of this letter to Galatians. He's talking to his church He's talking to Jesus' church. They're being pressed. Honestly, they're actually being pressed of all things by the religious elites. And there's a religious spirit that presses on the church, I think, as much as anything else out there, right? 
There's all the bondage to all the, you know, the bad sins out there. And then the church has often succumbed to the religious spirit where we sit and stand in judgment. We think everyone else should be acting this way and everyone else should do this. And these politicians should be that and all that. And we can stand under this. And they're, they're, they're getting crushed under the weight of that. The religious elites are saying, you better do this, and you aren't accepted unless you live this way, and you're not saved unless you follow this, and the church is crumbling under this weight, and Paul's imploring us and saying, don't go back and don't submit to that yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that place. There's a Christianity that is powerless, and I, I would just venture to say we've, we've all, if you have any number of years or months, honestly, in the Lord We've had these moments where we've lived powerless. And I know, even just as your pastor, I don't want that for any one of us. I don't want to look across this room and find anyone that feels powerless. And so his spirit is saying today, stand firm. Stand firm. And don't submit to that because that's not who you've been bought by. You've been purchased and ransomed so that if you feel enslaved to sin, there is freedom from sin. If you feel powerless to overcome temptation, there is freedom for you. If you feel helpless because of shame and guilt from your past, there is freedom for you. If you feel pressed down by religious duty and religious jargon, and you don't feel like you can rise up out of it, listen, there's freedom for you. There's freedom for every one of us. Freedom is that thing that God has given to us now fully, but it's also something that every one of us are meant to be growing in right now. I need to hear that. Freedom is that thing that Jesus accomplished immediately, but there is more to be had. Now I'm looking at some faces in the room that have been in the kingdom a good long while. And I'm gonna say, there's more freedom to be had. More freedom in Christ, more power in his Holy Spirit, more power over sin, more power to stay yes by faith in obedience to the things that God has for you, more ways to bring the influence of the kingdom to those around you. There is more, there is more, there is more because Jesus, the son of God, is inexhaustible. Freedom is the presence of God on our lives to overcome and to power through, to be free from our past and to step into our future. This is the call on our lives. It's what he wants. There's more. Many of you have experienced this before. I, I, I can think back on the day when uh, I got married. We have a you know, picture of Megan when she, you know, in her wedding dress, the day we got married. Hangs up in one of the rooms of our home. And... Uh, I'm trying to remember which one. It used to be in our room. It's not there anymore. Sorry. Sorry. Probably need to dial in on that. Sorry. Hope my wife doesn't ever watch this. Okay. Uh, She's serving in kids ministry this morning. But I remember that day and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I couldn't love anyone anymore. I remember when she came down, I actually thought, so this is, I don't even know why I'm saying this, but uh, I I like hair down and I, but I thought she was going to do an updo. You know, for the wedding, because that's, you know, I don't know, like Cinderella. I, honestly, I'm the one that thinks Cinderella was cuter in the pink dress with the hair down than the white dress with the updo. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? That's not real, sorry. That's a cartoon. 
I don't even know why I'm talking about a cartoon right now. But I just, but I remember thinking, yeah, I just thought, I thought she was going to do an updo, but you know what? She knew that I, I, I wouldn't want her updo. She, she did her hair down and she came down the aisle and I'm like weeping. I'm just, I'm that groom. I'm just crying, right? It's ugly crying. We have a video of it. I'm like, oh, this is awful. You know, just, I mean, everybody gets to celebrate their wedding video. I look at my wedding video. I'm like, oh gosh, this is, okay. But, but I remember thinking I am so full of love in this moment. But I can now, after almost 16 years of marriage, I can look back and go, dude, I, full I, I, I had flutteries and feelings in those moments, but I'm gonna tell you, after 16 years of marriage, I know what real love is and getting into the trenches and going through the hard things and finding out what it means to sacrifice and finding out what it means to lay your life down. I've got an education in love. I thought I had love on that day. Church, that was nothing. There was more to be had. This is what God does. This is what it means to be free, is that you think you're at capacity, and then God says, nope, there's more. There's more overcoming. There is more power to be had. This is what the Lord has over and for our lives. And so whatever measure of freedom that you feel like you're living in now, there's more. And this is, this has to be the mark on this church. We're, we're doing this series called A Time to Build, and we're outlining the culture that we believe God's supposed to create here among this people, and this is it. We say last week that we're going to host God's presence because the presence of God, where the presence of God goes, freedom moves forward. This is what we're meant to be is free people in Christ. And so the question then becomes, how do you stand firm and not submit to that yoke of slavery and live in freedom? That's the question. How do we begin to do that? Now, we have uh, a, a, a class that we're gonna be doing this semester uh, during our River U called, uh, it's just called Freedom in Christ. And we're gonna unpack in a deeper way all of that. And I wanna just pre-invite you. It'll be a few weeks from now, but I'm pre-inviting you to come be a part of this class. And you may have already even gone because we've done this class a couple times. I wanna invite you back again to come be a part of it. It's over 10 weeks and we'll unpack all of that. But I wanna give you one core solid answer and then we're gonna just give our hearts a chance to respond to the Lord. Because when you ask this question, what does it actually mean? How do we stand firm and not go back and begin to press forward in the freedom that Christ has purchased for us to be able to live with gladness of heart? How do we move out of that place of misery and powerlessness into the joy of our salvation like my daughter? Opening gifts. And I'm gonna give you one sweeping statement. I'm gonna try to unpack it briefly and then we're just gonna pray. In fact, I'm just gonna throw the bomb out there and then we'll let the Lord do what he wants to do with it. If you wanna walk in new levels of freedom, it starts where we acknowledge and we confront our unbelief. If I had one statement to be able to say, it's where we get to come before the Lord and say, Lord, here are the places where I do not believe. And I, I, as surely as I say that, the church 
in many ways has been one of the worst places to actually address the issue of unbelief because there's been so much shaming, because there's been so much heavy-handedness and push on people to say, where is your faith and why don't you believe and why can't you get this and why don't you have this, uh, this ship righted, so to speak? And there's a lot of that voice, and certainly that's the voice of the enemy, but I think in many ways the church has partnered with it. But I want you to hear this. There are new levels of belief in the word of God that you, we all can grow in and get to. That there are new places where the Lord wants to convince us more because there's two arenas where the enemy wants to wreak havoc. Right? That if you want to operate in power and you want to operate in authority and you want to operate in confidence, it's to ask God to uncover the areas of unbelief because this is what the enemy does is the enemy lies and accuses about who God is and then the enemy lies and accuses who you are. And so he's going after two identities. He's going after God's identity in our mind and he's going after our identity in him. And these, this is the arena in which the enemy wants to destroy us is to bring levels of unbelief that God isn't what the word actually says he is and that you have not been made the new creation God has told you he's made you. To, 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 to say this, that's what Paul's trying to say is that you wouldn't submit again to the yoke of slavery because this is the lies that you're always gonna be stuck here that you can't ever break out, that there are no new levels for you. I love there's this moment, and we'll finish with this, but there's this moment where a man has a demon-possessed child. This is in Mark chapter nine. A man has a demon-possessed child. It's been, the, the, the demon's been tormenting his child from the get-go. We have no idea how this demon was given access to this child, but it's throwing him on the ground, and he foams at the mouth. And when I say this, by the way, I've seen this with my own eyes. I've, I've been in Indonesia ministering the word of God. I have seen someone be thrown on the ground and foam at the mouth before filled with a demon. So this isn't just something that you read on pages. I've seen it with my own eyes. And this demon is pressing on this kid and the disciples are praying and they can't pray this demon away. And Jesus actually comes off after just being transfigured. He just shown his eternal glory and he comes off the mountain and he comes down. There's this crowd there and the man runs up and says, please, would you have mercy on my child? Jesus asked this question, verse 21, Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, for that all things are possible for the one who believes. All things are possible for the one who believes. I love this. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. You feel the paradox of that statement in that moment? He's going, I need, I need my kid. My kid. This is, demon's trying to destroy my child. What would you do if a demon was trying to destroy your child? And he just cries. He says, I believe. But he also says, would you? Would you help my unbelief? Just, 
Here's, what I, here's what's really going on in me. I'm asking you, because I know you're my only hope, but I'm asking you, would you help my unbelief? Listen, church, Jesus loves that prayer. Jesus loves that prayer. The church said, what's wrong with you because of your doubts and worries and you're not sure if this is real or you're not sure if Jesus can do this or you're not sure if God is who he says he is or all of those things, you know, and there's been a lot of heavy handedness pressed down before. And what Jesus says is, listen, this is the core issue. Do you believe? And he says, help my unbelief. You know what Jesus does? You bet. He tells that demon to shut up and leave. And that kid is brought alive. In fact, the kid is so, had been so tormented, he's laying there and everybody thinks he's dead. And Jesus says, he actually grabs him by the hand and says, let's do this, man. That's Keith, Keith James version. <laughs> but he just grabs his hand, he says, pulls him up and he says, let's go. Listen to me. This is the battleground. The principalities are coming against whether we will believe the word of God is more true than what we can see with our eyes or whether we'll go back to believing that we're gonna be stuck in this pattern of sin or stuck in this pattern of unbelief. And the Lord's saying, it's time to step out. Let, but the only way we're ever gonna step into new levels of power and freedom is to be honest and say, God, here are the ways that I don't really believe you. I can say it and I can often sing it in church and I can say these words out loud, but deep in my heart, I don't really believe that you're this good or I don't really believe that I've been made a new creation. I don't really believe that you've given me a new identity. So let's say these things out loud and let God come and cast the, those lies to the pit of hell and pull us up by the hand and say, let's go do this together. This is where the Lord wants to lead us. I'm, I'm, uh, have our team come up. We'll just finish with this worship, opportunity to worship. Listen, some, some of you have, um, as they're coming, in fact, if you just close your eyes for a second, you guys that are joining us at home, just take a moment to pray. Some of you have come from some really hard places where you were wounded and you were hurt by people that you thought were trustworthy. There are some things that have been done to you or against you. And they left you wondering whether or not God was really good. You felt maybe even abandoned or isolated. And there are these places where you're not sure that you can go to the nth degree with the Lord. There are others of you who, you came from great backgrounds. You've, you've known the Lord for a really long time. Maybe you've come from places of privilege, but you've struggled with your own internal stuff, running from the Lord, not believing, and those experiences have left you feeling shame or guilt. And you've wondered whether God could really forgive you and, and bring you into a new life. It doesn't really matter what our background is. There are places where we tend not to believe the word of God, but we believe what our voice says to us, we believe the voice of the enemy. And the Lord wants to say, this is a new day to rise up and believe.
So I just want us to be a church that believes the word of God more than what we see in the natural. A church that's willing to pray, God help my unbelief. Here's Here's where I struggle to believe you, that I can be made pure and holy right now. Some of you, the enemy's convinced you, you can never be pure and holy. But that's not what the Father says. The Father says, I've marked you with my righteousness. Some of you believe that you've been disqualified from being used because you've messed up too much. And the Lord is saying, you have no idea the future I have for you the calling I have on your life. Some of you believe we can never get out of the pattern of struggle. We struggle to believe that God could provide for us. Struggle to believe that relationships could be restored. Let me tell you, every one of these things, the Lord's ready for us to bring to him. He's not afraid of any of it. We get to pray this beautiful prayer, Lord, help my unbelief. Change, restore, transform. This is what a heart cry is over this church, to be marked by being a people who who never settle for unbelief. But we believe and trust. that we stand in sure confidence that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you stand with me? Here's what I want you to do as you stand. I'm gonna ask you to come forward. Not gonna ask you to raise your hand. Just right where you're at, if you will, for just these two two minutes. Would you just be honest with the Lord about areas where you struggle to believe Him? And just confess. And just say, help my unbelief. is glad to receive this prayer right now. He is wide open arms ready to receive. So just tell him. He receives our unbelief right now. You receive it right now to take it from us forever on the cross. And now, Lord, would you breathe? I just get a picture of the Lord standing with you, if you will, if you can even imagine this. 
the Lord standing with you and giving you something in place of unbelief. Just open your hands and receive. Provision. Identity. encourage you as you sing this song that you would make this your prayer. Let's declare this to the Lord. Let's worship.